let's go on with today's session. So welcome to a SPAS community webinar. Uh, we're talking about insights into product management. And joining me today are Sophie Brumfit and Rebecca Murdoch. Hi. Um, now, we're going to be talking through various aspects of this, but if you have any questions as ever, please do uh, pose them. There's a question board to your left, to your right, I can't remember side of this. Uh, you know, post them on there, they come up on my little screen here, and I'm more, more than happy to, to try and answer them today. Uh, also, we've got later on, I'll be putting a few um, uh, SPAS community call-outs. So if there's anything that you want us to share to the community uh, about projects you're working on, staff recruitment or anything like that, then have a think now. Uh, post them up and I'm, uh, I'll try and include those as part of the call apps later on. Uh, so we're talking about product management. Um, Sophie, let's start with you. You're closest to me. How did you end up in project manager, uh, product management? Um, well, I started at BTL about 15 years ago as a multimedia designer. So I used the BTL software for a long period of time, got used to it, the product, um, and then moved into the training manager role, training customers, um, internal staff on how to use the product and that naturally moved me into a product owner because I had the knowledge of the past. Okay so you, you're in a position where you've you've seen the full evolution really yeah. of, of surpass uh, when we just started I suppose content producer was the first kind of component of that and then we added an item bank and secure assess and then we wrapped it all together yep. as a surpass thing so you've seen a quite a lot of change in that sense. Becca tell me a bit more about where you've come from from well, I'm slightly different to Sophie. So prior to BTL, I worked for a different software company um, who made clinical software for hospitals and GPs. So I came in with a bit of experience of um, software development and informally product management. Um, but then four years ago, I joined BTL as a product owner um, and have been in the product management team ever since. Okay. So different kind of routes, different stories, bringing in different kind of backgrounds and, and uh, experience. Um, we obviously here at BTL we're quite um, uh, we push quite hardly on our kind of uh, core values, but in terms of the, the uh, individual skills and individual teams, what kind of attributes are we looking for uh, in someone who's working the product management team? What kind of things we're looking we for? We definitely need um, excellent problem solving skills. Um, so effectively, all the features and the work we do um, are trying to solve problems for customers, candidates. Um, even internal kind of processes. So problem solving is a, a key skill yeah. along with... I suppose communication is quite communication. key because we have customers, we have got other teams at BTL, the team that are developing the features. So we need to be able to communicate what we need doing as well as understanding fully of what needs to be done. And in terms of tying it back to some of BTL's core values, flexibility, collaboration um, are key in our yeah. role. So we don't work alone. Obviously, we have developers that do the development but it's even broader than that and um, because we work in a an agile environment flexibility and being able to adapt um, both to improve and to change to differing priorities is, okay. is pretty important okay so some key ones what about technical background do you do you, do you have you both you know studied sql down to, <laughs> you know, to the binary level yeah you know, um, is that part of your job no um, so we, we, we're not needed to be technical. Um, we need to understand more from a customer's perspective yep. what they need. Um, the technical implementation comes from support from our technical architects. So mm. those are the guys that know the technical side of it as well as the developers. So ours is more of a, a level that the user would 
understand. So will, you know, organising skills, those kind of things, problem solver thinking, you know, uh, being able to think on your feet, I suppose, as well, that kind of... Yeah, and also being able to make decisions. Um, product management is a kind of a leadership function within mm. um, the company, but also as wider, sort of a, a wider role. Um, so we are generally kind of natural leaders in the the development arena so often whilst we will get information and elicit information from other teams we work with ultimately um, a lot of the decision making is is done by ourselves yeah okay excellent excellent um and what's what kind of things are involved then in the, the kind of product management process what what happens as part of that um, i think you know you mentioned earlier about value what what's what's value in relation to product management um that's the that's the outcome really that's what we are striving to deliver for customers um, we haven't done our jobs properly if we aren't delivering code features that are valuable to you guys um, so everything that we're trying to do um, whether that does kind of come through new features or whether we can um, decide or, like outside of dev processes yeah. and workarounds ultimately we're trying to solve problems and yeah and make the user's lives more straightforward. And is it in terms of solving those problems, obviously you know, if you had a finite, if you had an infinite budget, an infinite time resource, then it'd be a very different solution. But I suppose what we're trying to do is, is give some, the customer something as efficiently and as effective, effectively as we can, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's, and do you find that, um, how do you, you know, if someone comes along with a solution, is that, helpful to you in kind of no for us it's understanding the actual problem that they have as the business problem is what we need because yeah. um, we have to look at the product and how it benefits all customers yeah. so we can look at different ways we achieve solving mm. that problem i think it's it is quite a natural and human thing to come with solutions yeah. partly because that's how often we don't um we aren't able to communicate or explain what our actual needs are so we we sort of jump to a solution and yeah. um, it's part of our job to to work with everyone else internally and the customers to kind of unpick that and step yeah. backwards to understand the actual business problem that, that the suggested solution is trying to solve just in case there are better ways to solve it or different ways to solve it in some cases maybe what the customer suggested is right often in our experience there are different ways that, sh that should be Kind of um, evaluated before going ahead with it. Yeah, yeah I, th I think that the risk is in that, that if someone comes with a solution because that's that's how they've done it. And I've seen this quite a few times in assessment. Um, you know, well, we've been doing this for uh, this is how we've always done it. Um, and I kind of get that you know you, you you have your processes and it's important to keep. But what was really refreshing, I was in a an onboarding meeting uh, the other week and uh, a customer came along and said, well, we you know we have our processes but we're we're happy to look at new ways of doing things and i think mm. that's been one of the great benefits of this past community yeah. is people have been able to learn from other people's experiences um and also the, the asking the question why what what why is that important you know to to, to ask that question why would you, you it helps to get to the to the root cause yeah. Yeah. it's it's a bit like i guess being a, a four-year-old but the the first response you get, okay, that's helpful, but but why why is that 
So if this is the problem, what what's causing that? And then what's causing that? And what's causing that? And you have to be a bit irritating and persistent to get back. <laughs> tenacious. Right, right tenacious <laughs> is an excellent way. But I think it also helps the customer because it makes them think, why are they actually wanting it? Yeah. And sometimes those those conversations can be very enlightening for yeah. the customers as well as us. Yeah. And that's how you can find the the real solution. And I think it gives people an opportunity to reflect on what it is they're asking for, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so in terms of project management, uh, I keep saying project management, apologies, product <laughs> management. Um, look at what you named right. I'm just <laughs> awful at that. Um, how big is the team? What kind of size are we talking um, about? Well, we're at 14 product owners now. Um, yeah, so that when it, I joined yeah. four years ago, there were five of us, so we've nearly tripled yeah, um, size of our team so. four years, which <laughs> has been challenging. But yeah, we've got a good, strong team at the moment, so we're, good team. we're doing well. When I started the BTR, there were no product owners at all. It was all project managers. That's probably why I keep saying that um, <laughs> word. But yeah, it's strange how there was a, there was a lot more of them, and that's kind of shifted. And the organisation's changed over the. 13 or so years. How long have you been? 15 15 years. Nearly, 15 yeah. Um, it's changed a lot, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. And it, and it, and as the industry has as well. Um, so uh, those product owners are managing development teams. How many development teams are they, they managing? So we've got around 23 scrum teams currently. Um, so most product owners will have two mm. teams. Um, there's a couple with three. Um, but we try not to have that for too long. So two is sort of the ideal yeah. amount of teams per product owner. Okay, and um, obviously are those all kind of based uh, here at BTL or are they they're kind of international? Yeah, yeah. Our, our teams are distributed across the world and we've right. got four active development scrum teams here as well as some other supporting teams. Um, and we've got teams in uh, St. Petersburg in Russia, so working with a partner of ours, Arcadia. Um, we've also got a partner, Intersoft, in India, yeah. Um, so we've got a, a lot of scrub teams there as well. And we've got um, a team based in Dundalk, in Ireland, and finally in Bulgaria. Yeah. So, yeah, we, <laughs> we are taking over the world in scrub teams. Okay, and managing those re- remote teams and working with them, you know, have you got any kind of tips of, you know, over the years about how to kind of, I suppose, get the best relationship out of the, the process? What, what would be your advice as, as part of that? Um, well, we, we are very close to the teams and that comes from visiting them um, often and well as much as we can Um, and we also keep very close through Skype um, videos as well and we have an instant messaging app that we use with them. Um, Yeah keeping the lines of communication open is key Um, obviously primarily from a a kind of professional perspective but um, it's important as well for the the teams that aren't co-located so aren't here with us that we try and do a bit of bonding. So that's where the, the visits that we do at least once a year is really important because you can... A few vodkas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few vodkas. And you get, you get some FaceTime and you can start yeah. building you know, a bit of a rapport with your teammates. Ultimately, you are one big team. So you want to yeah. get on with them, learn a bit about them, learn it enough helps, to have jokes with them yeah. and all of that. So yeah. um, that's key. And something, something else we're trying to do um, in parts of the team... Um, are getting everybody involved in a, in a big planning days. Yeah. So um, one stream of work has um, development teams in all of these areas. Um, and for release planning, we've started doing big um, PI planning days and we're connecting everybody in 
America, Ireland, Britain, Russia and India um, all for one big session over a couple of days, couple of days through audio and video streaming so that in real time everybody can be connected and um, kind of collaborate on planning for releases. And that's kind of unlock, unpicking all the, the features which are... Uh, what's, what's, what, what are you looking at as part of that process, is it? So yes, it, there's some features that have been prioritised for that release yeah. and within that session we'll work out which team is best placed to pick up those features. Those teams will then look at those features in detail and try and work out how they can be broken down to fit into that release and how the objective of that feature will work. Okay, and then so. and the teams themselves, then you've got developers and you've got testers sitting alongside them as well? Yes, yeah. they're so, all on the same team. And I understand that it's, it's part of the Scrum kind of agile uh, methodology that they're, they're, it's, they're all responsible for that work, aren't they? It's a team effort. There's no yeah. individuals and no heroes, I think. No. Is the, <laughs> is the, is the kind of process, yeah. isn't it? Um, okay, so that's the teams that are working on the, the development side of things. They're being managed by Scrum Masters who look after a number of teams as well as part of the agile the scrum, I understand there's a bit of an initiative going on with the Scrum Masters as well, just to get them kind of aligned a little bit. Yeah, so with all the teams being distributed, um, that means that our Scrum Masters are distributed. So just to pick up on the word managed you mentioned, mm. um, Scrum Masters aren't a man it's not a management function of the yeah. teams, they're servant leaders, so right, they're, yeah, they're there right. to coach yes. and encourage yeah. teams to, to be self-managing and um, oh, yeah. to improve. So. In case Lauren sees this, yeah. not managing. Actually, if you if you do want to know more about the, the kind of the Scrum and Agile setup, we did a webinar. It's one of the first ones I think we did a, um, a good uh, about a year ago now. Um, uh, Lauren and uh, one of the Scrum masters used to have a more Kirk as well. That's an excellent one to watch as well, just to get a, a feel for what's uh, what goes on in the Agile uh, process. Um, so we talk about Scrum. Um, we talk about the kind of the teams that the POs uh, manage. There are other teams involved in the yeah. development, aren't they? So, and they just so that we've got a good, clear control over what's going on. A lot, well, nearly all of those are BTL-based teams. Do you want to talk yeah. me through some of those teams and their so kind the of roles? So, product owners are supported by what we know as the products requirement team, which are made up of um, UX designers—that's user experience designers, um, solution architects, technical architects, and the production, um, product communication and training mm -hmm. team. So they all have areas of a feature that they can support with and we come together as a group to help refine that feature and get it ready for the teams. Okay, and the UX is looking at user experience, isn't it? You yeah. Know, making sure that it, it works, it's seamless, it's, you know, you, you know, when you're using the, the feature, you're going to have a, a, an uninterrupted and enjoyable yeah. experience. and they supply wireframes with a lot of those features which we can let <coughs> customers see before any development happens. Okay, so people got a real good insight as to what's, what's going to happen. And I suppose that's one of the... The benefits of uh, Scrum and Agile is this iterative, incremental kind of piece, isn't it? So that it's not just a big bang solution at the end. Do you find that you, I won't say rethink the, the, the solution as you're going through, but do you, having those increments, does it help realign the, the, the kind of solution before it gets to the end? Um, it? it helps if we show them earlier on to a customer. Yeah. Because um, we're all sort of on the same page when it starts and then as development evolves, other things might come into play. So the more that we demonstrate what's gone on to that point can help us find stuff sooner rather than wait until the end of the release. So we can sort of adjust things throughout a release Excellent. by doing it that way. And it does give the opportunity for the, the customer to to slightly adapt what what their needs are during that, yeah. that process. Sometimes we'll find blockers in development, which means we have to sort of work around them or 
deviate slightly because of technical constraints. Um, but sometimes customers just want a little tweak here or there yeah. that we can accommodate quite easily because they've seen it whilst it's still in development um, rather than seeing it when it's out in live. I think it's changed. I remember when SPAS first started being developed more well, just over 10 years ago now, it, you know, development periods were a year long and it was, it was like a yeah. Big un- it was like a big unveiling. It was. You know, quite a scary <laughs> moment as well. Um, okay, so there's some big you know, kind of changes, some nice mechanisms that we've got in place there that, that help that along. Um, now, one kind of term that I've heard used is the idea of sponsored development team. You know, so what is a sponsored development team? How does that fit into the, the process? A sponsor team is one which is ring-fenced, one or multiple, which is ring-fenced for a particular customer or group of customers if they're collaborating. Um, and there are a couple of benefits to the customers for the sponsor team kind of principle. Um, Firstly, they get full um, ownership over the priority of the backlog. Um, So whereas customer-funded change in the past for BTL, um, kind of all the customer uh, feature requests go into one big big pot and are all prioritised against each other, Um, the sponsor team framework allows me as a customer to put all of mine in, in my pot and um, prioritise it and work with uh, the team that I'm funding to get that done. So it's really good if customers have um, a large number of features or a big sort of project of development that they want yeah. to do and it, it's far more cost effective for them to fund it through a sponsor team rather than um, through sort of the old style customer funded change process, which is still there and perfectly adequate for you yeah. know one-off ad hoc changes yeah, that yeah. a lot of our customers still need and yeah. um, but for the bigger chunkier backlogs sponsored teams are a really good way to go and the, I suppose the model I've kind of seen or that people are kind of constantly weighing up the idea of do we buy a solution or do we buy into a solution an off-the-shelf solution or do we build our own solution and what I've kind of noticed over time what's been reported quite a lot really is that there's a real benefit from the idea of sponsored development because it gives you the opportunity to effectively buy the existing solution and then because there there are going to be gaps that you know yeah. the assessment is such a wide and varied activity you can then sponsor a development team to um, fill in those gaps to, yeah. to to do those and I suppose it, we, it's not something we can just kind of instantly turn off and. On in no. terms of time. You know, there, there's a lot of setup in that. When yeah. I say setup, you know, there's a degree of investment, isn't there? Mm-hmm. So it has to be a reasonable chunk of work. Yeah. If somebody decided they wanted a sponsored team, we'd have to um, recruit a team for them. Yeah. Because um, the ex- existing mm-hmm. ones are currently sponsored. Um, yeah. So that would have a lead up to it. Yeah. And we need to, as I said before, we've got all the supporting functions around the team. So it isn't just a case of, of finding a dev team or um, repurposing slightly easier but if we were to create a new team for um, some sponsorship then we need to make sure that we've got a PO to PO them, a TA, solutions yeah. designer um, so it, that's the sort of logistical and kind of the financial stuff that we have to deal with so there is a minimum sponsorship period mm-hmm. and there's also um, a, a particular amount of lead time that you have yeah. to um, you have to give us notice before you kind of wind down a team. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's all managed through the kind of the account manager and project management of the sponsorship itself. And I suppose one of the benefits from, you know, obviously I would always say pick BTL, but um, <laughs> one of the benefits of picking a, the BTL sponsored route would be it's not just about having a load of developers that are going to say yes to your requirement. You know, we've got the expertise, 
you know, we, we do look to you know our customers to have the, the knowledge and awareness about assessment and what they're doing with their particular assessment mm-hmm. goals. But we've got a lot of expertise around assessment, te- you know, the technical implementation. Yeah. So the teams that you guys, you know, That's you guys, what, yeah. getting all your wealth of experience coming alongside that development resource as well. Yeah. As well mm-hmm. aren't you? So, so yeah, the customer can prioritise the backlog, but the product owner will work very closely with that customer to make sure the feature is both what the customer needs and for surpass. Um, so some great um, kind of ideas and concepts uh, around that. There is also another kind of approach that, you know, and we always appeal to this, is the idea of collaboration as well. So if there is a particular piece of work that you know that someone else is interested in, I suppose that's one of the features of uh, uh, past community call-outs, um, you know, let us know if there is something you want to do, but you might not necessarily have the, the money that would pay for all that development. Uh, then there is always the chance that someone else out there is uh, looking for a very similar feature. And there's a great article, I think, on the, the website that we did recently about uh, the collaboration work on the voice capture uh, question type. So I do encourage you to uh, involve in that. We've been talking a lot about the customer. Um, so how important is the relationship with the customer as part of this this journey? It's key. <laughs> yeah, it's very important. Um, yeah. Not least because you guys provide the requirements or the, the problems but as we're going through the process of trying to deliver value, we need to constantly check that we're, yeah, that we're right. correct. Yeah. What assumptions are we making? Can we validate them? Um, do we need information for other, from other people that you have contact with and we don't? Um, so it's pretty key. Yeah. We're, we're always in regular contact with them, whether it's quest- asking questions, showing mock-ups, showing demos. Um, yeah. All yeah. the way through, from start to finish. So do you meet regularly with the customers throughout the kind of... Yeah, journey? whether it is face-to-face or whether it is through um, Skype calls, mm. Teams. Most of, our, most of our projects um, that work with external stakeholders, um, I would say there are regular. A, at least mm. two regular meetings, calls a week, and a number of ad hoc um, Skype chats or email exchanges. So yeah, it's pretty much every day that we're in some sort of contact with them. And it's not just you guys, is it? It's a um, uh, like UX team and other yeah. you know, kind of people involved in that that process. Um, Darren, uh, I think we share this. Uh, Darren did a uh, from the UX team did a brilliant little uh, clip about the, the the role that they have in in formulating the journey. I think we, it was presented at the ATP presentation. Um, I'll make sure that goes up on Twitter if uh, if it's not been to uh, quite recently, but uh, that's worth a watch. It just gives you a bit of an insight. Um, okay, so we've well we're on the subject of, of customer. I'm just going to do the um, uh, community call apps. I need a jingle for this. Um, so um, uh, anyone fancies? Um, I know there's a couple of musicians out there. Um, if they fancy putting me together a jingle, it'd be great. Um, so I was involved in a, a meeting the other week uh, with a, a new customer that's coming on board. Uh, one of the challenges that they were expressing is that because um, some of their customer base is very new to the idea of uh, testing, they, they call it online uh, testing. And I think that a lot of them have been quite scared. They exist in the paper-based world at the moment. And moving to kind of on-screen testing is going to be a new thing for them. And, and I think some people have got concerns that, well, you're going to digitize it. It's going to be on social media straight away. Um, and they asked me if I got any evidence and uh, insights into security-related benefits uh, on screen now, I kind of gave them a whole load of benefits around the idea of randomizing items and all sorts of information there. And there's some actually, uh, if anyone's seen them, there's some great ATP security survey uh, information. But if anyone out there has any um, uh, anecdotal stories that they want to share around the idea of 
uh, what the, the security benefits of going on screen and how they've benefited them, then please do share with me uh, those stories. And as long as you can be put out there publicly, obviously, uh, I really welcome that. Um, finally, just one other thing, really, is just um, ATP, the Association of Test Publishers Conference, which is in San Diego in uh, next year, March 2020. Um, it's always good to get a fantastic representation from this past community there. Uh, we've got a number of uh, submissions on the go just around technology and features that we're putting out there. Uh, but if anyone wants to do anything, either with ourselves or wants us to connect them with, uh, connect you with other people in the um, assessment sector, um, yeah, I think certainly from the European side, it'd be great to get a beef up of uh, presentations at ATP uh, as well, but also stateside as well. Let's let's tell, let's sing about some of these great stories uh, that we've got going on. Um, there's a couple of people I do know uh, signed on to this webinar that I will be in touch with about a couple of ideas as well. But deadline is on Monday. Uh, it's only 2,400 characters, so it's worth uh, putting something together. Um, so that's it for me for community call. Community call. <laughs> um, uh, so while we're talking about uh, Spass community, so all this feature work that we do, um, does the community benefit from it? You know, it does it, when stuff goes into Spass, does everyone get access to it? Yeah, the vast majority of it is available for all customers. Um, we have one platform and the features all go in there. The exceptions to that rule yeah. um, are any bits of development where additional licensing or um, kind of third party things are needed acquired, that yeah. need to be acquired. Um, they're a little bit more niche, um, but everything else. An example else... being adaptive. Yeah. yeah. But that, but it's not it's not a blocker, you know, it's, no. it's just it's just a process of having a conversation with account manager it, saying exactly, we yeah. want to do adaptive. Yeah. Um, and actually, Bob, we're just on that. Um, we have been involved in a big adaptive uh, project, and there's some great videos out there about how that's making a lot of difference to kids' lives in Wales. So um, mm -hmm. look out for those on social media as well. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of features going in. Um, do you know? Is it is it worthwhile? I know I try and encourage communication, but do you find there's benefits from encouraging communication between uh, this past community members? You know, does that help benefit the, the development process? Yeah. yeah, it does help because there's different people, there's different customers out there who use stuff slightly differently, mm -hmm. and to understand all their processes helps us make a more generic surpass so that we can sort of help all with one solution. Right. And I think um, it also challenges customers and shares knowledge. You know, yeah, I, I'm a customer. I've, I've been doing it this way for ever, um, as we were touching on before. Mm bringing the views and the experience of, of other users of Surpass is great for kind of challenging the way that people are currently using it or just sharing ideas. And we've got a really good collaboration going on um, with two of our um, US customers. Yeah. They have their own sponsored collaboration team and are very keen on um, kind of improving the item banking, so item authoring and, and task-related side of the product. So getting them in a room regularly, talking about ideas and, and kind of the way that the product could and maybe should go is really valuable. Yeah. And TAS has been, um, it's been one of, probably one of the biggest pieces of work that we've been doing really, I suppose, as a, a kind Recently, of very yeah. visible kind of piece from the product. And what I've been really quite enlightened by is that the people who not really thought about that as a solution or an approach of being really coming on board to the idea of how that works. Um, and it's worth checking out if, you, if you've not seen any information about TAS, then uh, check out the learning portal videos um, or get in touch with your contact um, your account manager. Um, I'm sure they'll be able to point you in some directions there. So some great yeah. stuff going in. 
What else is coming up then? You know, you guys are in the know. You, you, you've got a site. You've got yeah, the inside know-how as to what's coming up. What kind of things can you expect us to be talking about at this past conference? No, but now, um, <laughs> what, what's, what's coming up? Well, I'm very excited about um, some accessibility news in the HTML Secure Client. Um, so we can now support, or we will be supporting, the use of JAWS Screen Reader um, with Lockdown Secure Client. So for technical reasons, we haven't been able to do this. Yeah, it's been a hard one, hasn't it? Really, hard, really hard not to crack. And one of the really good benefits of HTML as a sort of technology base is the improved accessibility that we wanted to be able to offer to users, to candidates in particular. So this is a really, really important one for me. Yeah, and Ben was uh, did an interview with Israel from our accessibility team recently. Again, that's on social media, so there's lots of, we have lots of resources out there. And that's really worth watching because uh, Isabel talks through how uh, JAWS works with Surpass, and uh, I think it's been quite a, a, an insight to a lot of people. What's, uh, what's exciting you? So, <laughs> we've um, enhanced Loft. Excellent. Linear um, on the fly test. That, yes, um, and we've included Adaptive into that now as well. Okay. So they can both use the same screen within test creation. Um, and it, it just helps to validate the items that are using in those exams Fantastic. and structure. Because um, one of the benefits of uh, Loft is the fact that you, you're getting the maximum out of your item bank, aren't you? It's, yeah, it's yeah. That, um, and minimising exposure. So going back to your security point from before, yeah. Um, yeah. our optimization engine minimises exposure of items so that the, the, the risks are a bit lower. Yeah, there, there are some, I suppose there are, there are some, with Adaptive and Loft, you do need quite large... Item yes, you do need sizes, big ones. Don't you? Yeah. And so it's something to, I think, definitely to be working towards for some organisations. But that's not to say there are other features out there like randomisation of forms and randomisation of items yeah, within forms and all those kind of things. So there's lots of other things you can do, but Loft is something that really is yeah. kind of uh, um, exciting me. Mm -hmm. I think uh, from what I've heard about the, some of the features that are coming up, uh, HTML animations, the ability to kind of package. Uh, animations in HTML form is quite exciting to me. You know, it kind of goes back to a little bit. It was the old stuff that we <laughs> we were kind of doing quite a while yeah. ago. In the idea of simulations and really making things a lot more interactive. And I think we saw some quite good examples of this kind of stuff coming in uh, in Ibis presentation at the conference last year, where the idea of putting um, lenses and doing optic testing. Um, watch it; it's worth, worth, <laughs> worth looking at. Uh, anything else? Becca, anything else this We are enhancing MCQ items, so we're adding the option to have an exclusive answer option yeah. in an item. So that pretty much allows you to select an answer which is none of the above. And if you select that, it, it prevents you then from going back and selecting any of the other options. So that just is a, a nice addition to our MCQ offering. Excellent, excellent. Right, so um, obviously we've had a fantastic chat through all these features today. Um, these features that we've been talking about will be coming in um, over the coming months. I can't give you an exact time frame because that's you know that's part of the agile uh, kind of process. Um, but if you want to learn more about uh, Sophie and Becker's kind of uh, activities, um, then we've published uh, I think we published it today actually a blog post just a Q and A with uh, these guys uh, talking through the, some of the activities. So please do have a read through that and share that. Um, if you want to know more about what's coming up in releases, then uh, we obviously we do the release videos. There was one that we did recently for the 1219 release, uh, which had Jack and Nathan on it. It's worth watching. Uh, we've got another one scheduled in soon, so keep your eyes open on the uh, sign-up board for future events. Um, and really just to say thank you. Thank you for you guys. It's been an excellent uh, guest today. 
Um, don't forget you can see us at these events and uh, hopefully we look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, if you've got any questions after this, then please do send them through. But thank you for your time today. Goodbye. Bye.